invite you now to join me as I, as I read our scripture passage for today. It is found in the book of Acts, chapter 6, verses 1 to 7, and then chapter 20, verses, or verse 28. <clears throat> it can also be found in, on page 11 in your bulletin. And if you are willing and able, I invite you to please stand for the reading of God's word. And as you do so, please know that the word of God, even though the grass withers and the flower fades, the word of our Lord stands forever. Acts chapter 6. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists rose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, from among you uh, whom whom we will appoint to this duty. Excuse me. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, the proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And then chapter 20, verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Dan. Well, I mentioned earlier today is an ordination service. It's our joy and our privilege to ordain and install two new elders and one new deacon this morning, as well as welcome back to active service, one of our previously ordained and installed elders. And there are many passages in the Word of God that speak to the organization and the government and the leadership of the church. This morning, we're going to narrow our focus to the book of Acts And really, I'm going to spend most of my time on one sentence, one statement that Paul makes in his final words to the elders at the church at Ephesus. And then we'll look briefly at this passage from Acts chapter 6 that many see as the, the first calling, the first ordination and installation service for deacons in the early church. But as we begin to look at these passages in Acts today, I want us to see the big picture, to see God's design and his blessing in the officers of the church. That's the term that we use here in the Presbyterian Church in America when we refer to elders and deacons. We call them the officers of the church. So I want us to see God's design and his blessing in that. So here's my summary statement. As we're about to ordain and install these men to serve you, and to serve Christ in his church. It's this. God has given these men to care for you. God has given these men to care for you. 
And as they are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do so, the elders will devote themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the deacons will devote themselves to service. And as they do, you, God's people, will grow to be more like Jesus. And the Lord will add to our number those who are being saved to the glory of God. That's what we want to consider this morning. As I just mentioned earlier, in Acts chapter 20, Paul is giving his final instructions to this group of elders from the church at Ephesus. And he says these weighty words, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And so the first thing for us to notice is that this is something that God himself has done. The Holy Spirit has made you overseers. This is not man's idea or design or doing, but this is indeed the work and the plan of God himself. Paul wrote to this church at Ephesus in his letter to the Ephesians, and in chapter 4 he said these words, and, and God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Again, it's the work of God who has given these people. For what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature and the fullness of Christ. So that's the first thing to notice. God has done this. God has designed this. And this design is a blessing, a gift to his people, the church. God does indeed work through the government of the church. He works through the officers of the church to grow his body. To bring his people to maturity in Christ. And so the first thing to notice is that it is the Holy Spirit himself who has given and called and equipped and and gifted these men to serve his people in his church, to seek your spiritual good and your spiritual growth. This is the design, the plan, the gift of God. And what has God given these men for? Did you hear that phrase in Paul's statement? He has given them to care for the church of God. To care for the church of God. Paul said, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To care for the church of God. And that is what pastors and elders and deacons, what church officers do. Now Paul is speaking to the elders in that gathering. But I do believe that we can include deacons in this. We'll see this in Acts chapter 6. But We can include all the officers as we want to get this big picture of what God has given his church officers to do. And what is it that they do primarily? They care for the church of God. That understanding shapes our whole ministry. How we as elders and deacons serve and how you as God's people receive that service. And so we must understand We must take note of how valuable, how precious the church, the people of God truly are. And we must see clearly the weight, 
the responsibility and the privilege of this calling that we have as elders and deacons. We care for the church of God. We care for this church who is the beloved people of God. King David said in Psalm 122 verse 9, For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. So what is he saying? He is saying, because the people belong to the Lord our God, I am committed to their spiritual good. I am committed to seeking their good. And brothers, that is our calling. Fellow elders and deacons, that is what God himself has given us to do. We care for the church of God. We seek their good. Why? Because they belong to God Almighty, our Heavenly Father. You know, I think we, we understand this concept that you can tell how much someone values something by what they are willing to pay for it or trade for it. That's why some of us love to get a bargain. When we get something valuable for a cheap price, it makes us happy. And, and we like to tell people about it. But again, think about the value, the worth that things have. Sometimes those things that are more valuable are actually worth paying a little extra for. And that is indeed what we see here. Think about it. What was the price that God himself paid for his church? That he paid for you, his people. Paul says we are to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Or it could be translated with the blood of his own. The blood of his own son. Think about that. Beloved, do you see how valuable you are to God your creator? God almighty, God the king. Do you see how much he loves you? The price he paid for you. Let that sink in. You were bought with a price. You weren't on sale. This wasn't a bargain deal. The price could not have been any higher. God obtained you. He paid for you with the blood of his own. The precious life, the blood of his own son, Jesus Christ. God could not possibly have paid any higher price. He couldn't have given anything more costly, more valuable, more precious than the blood of his own son. Peter says it like this. We were ransomed from the feudal ways of life inherited from our forefathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And don't miss the contrast there. What does Peter mention? He mentions the most valuable things of this world, silver and gold. And he says they're nothing compared to the precious blood of Christ. Peter says you were ransomed. Jesus said to his disciples that he came to give his life as a ransom for many. And that word ransom refers to the payment of a price in order to purchase the freedom of a slave. 
And so the idea of Jesus as the ransom is that he paid the price with his own life by standing in humanity's place as a substitute, enduring the judgment that we deserved for our sin. This is the message of the Gospels. It's what Paul tells us throughout the book of Romans. We see in Romans 3.23 this truth that stands over all of mankind, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul follows that up in Romans 6 by saying the wages of sin is death. This is what all mankind has earned and deserved because of our sin, death, God's righteous punishment, his righteous judgment, and not simply physical death, but spiritual death to our relationship with God, separation from this God who made us, eternal damnation in hell if we never turn to Christ. But Paul gives us great hope in his gospel as well. Because all humanity needs this hope. Right? Every man, woman, boy, and girl is in need of salvation and rescue and deliverance. Because we are born slaves to sin and death. That's why we say all are needy. This is true for every person everywhere. But then Paul will say in Romans 5.8, God showed his love for us. He showed his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't purchase us with silver or gold. He gave his own son to die in our place. While we were his enemies, God gave his own son to pay the ransom, to pay the wages, to pay the price for our sin, to save us, to deliver us from this death that we had earned through the death of his own son, the sinless, spotless, undefiled Lamb of God. So what does that mean, beloved? In simple, blunt language, we could say it like this. It means that Jesus took your place in hell. That you have someone who loves you enough, he was willing to do that. That's what we mean when we confess in the Apostles' Creed that Jesus descended into hell. Not that he literally descended into hell when he was buried or that he is still there today, but that he suffered the pains of hell on the cross. He was giving up his life as the ransom price for our sin when he bore in his own body, in his soul, on that tree, the tortures, the just and righteous punishment, the wrath of a holy God against Wicked and evil sin. The wicked and evil sin, not just of people out there, but of us. Our sin, our condemnation. But praise the Lord. Remember what we said last week? What's today? Today is resurrection day, right? Praise the Lord. The pains of death could not hold him. I love how it's, Peter says it in Acts. It was not possible. It was not possible for Jesus to be held by death. And so God raised him from the dead in victory over sin and death and the devil. This means that death lost and Jesus won. Sin lost and Jesus won. The devil lost. His head was crushed and Jesus, our Savior, won. 
That means that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Beloved, this is not just good news. This is the best news the world has ever heard. You'll be saved from death and you'll be raised to new eternal life. This is what God has done to make you his people. He's purchased you. With the blood of his own son, Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus has made you his own. And so friend, anyone can get in on this today. Anyone. The price has been paid. And so now it is freely offered to anyone and everyone who will receive this free gift from God through his son. You simply repent of your sin and trust in Christ alone and you will be saved and you will join the beloved people of God. You will have God as your God and his people as your people. And elders are called to care for these people, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with the blood of his own son. Why is there a church today? Because God gave his son. And because God gave his son, there is and always will be the church. And God has designed for the beloved people in his church to be cared for by the overseers that the Holy Spirit has given to them. This is God's gift to his people. These elders and these deacons that they will care for you. So Paul goes on and he says, he says to these overseers, these elders, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. The men God calls to serve as officers in the church They are to be men of godly character, men of holiness. And yes, we understand that does come first and foremost from being made new creations in Christ because of the righteousness of Christ that is now credited to us, that we stand forgiven and we stand holy and we stand righteous in the sight of God. It comes primarily from that. But then also, every day, because that is true, we live a new life. Every day we walk in that newness of life. We present our members no longer as slaves to sin because they're not. But now we present them as slaves to God, as servants of righteousness. And so these men must pay careful attention to themselves. Like all believers, we are called to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. We are to be holy as God is holy, set apart for his service. Daily dying to sin and living to righteousness. We are to be men above reproach. That's something we cannot do on our own, but we can do empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you read in 1 Timothy chapter 3 or Titus chapter 1, these list of qualifications for elder or deacon, what will you find? You're not going to find a list of abilities or gifts or talents Primarily, you're going to find a list of character, holiness. That is what God is looking for, what he's called these men to be. They must pay careful attention to themselves. And they must pay careful attention to all the flock. All the flock. Every person, every member from the youngest to the oldest. And so we do repeat that phrase here. All are welcome. All are needy. All are needed. 
Last week, we had our congregational meeting. And during that meeting, uh, Colin Gingrich, our pastoral intern, gave an update on community groups. And if you were here, you heard him share how community groups are one way that we are seeking to care for all the flock, for every member. It helps us provide that shepherding care. So even if you're not physically able to actually attend the gatherings of our community groups, you're still included within one. And usually those are made up of people that live closest to you so that the people can care for one another. We can meet the needs of one another. Colin also talked about communication, how we as a church are seeking to improve our communication with you and we're taking steps towards that. But we also want you to be open and free to communicate with us as those that God has put to care for you and to communicate with one another. We, we won't know needs unless you're willing to share, right? Communication's a, a two-way street. Goes both ways. So as you share with us, we can share with the congregation. As you share with one another, we, we know those needs. None of us are meant to bear our burdens alone. None of us are meant to bear our burdens alone. And so I wonder, are we, are we truly willing to be the church? Last week, the emphasis was on gathered worship. So, so this day of all days, do we make this a priority to, to gather together, to worship God, to encourage one another? But are we willing to be the church in all aspects? Because we all know that the church is not a building. We've heard that phrase. We understand what that means what that means but the church is a gathering so this is essential to what we do but are we willing to be the church not only to meet needs yes we want to pour out ourselves in service to one another but also what's the other side of that to admit needs are we willing to do that you know when we refuse to acknowledge or share our needs we deprive the church of her service We deprive the church of her service and we cut off the love and supply that God himself has designed to flow through his children to one another. You read the scriptures and you see that's how God designed it. Are we willing to submit to his design by admitting our need for one another? We can't follow Christ on our own. We need one another. Now I'm not saying that's easy. It can be very hard to share your needs with someone else, but I am saying it's God's design. It's God's design. And just because something is hard doesn't mean we ought not to do it. All are needy. When we say that, yes, we primarily mean we each are in need of our Savior every day of our lives. But we also are acknowledging our need for one another, for God's people. All are needy, and then also all are needed. The Holy Spirit has given gifts to each one. And so if people are not exercising their gifts, what does that mean? What's the result? If we're falling short of God's design, then it means his church is impoverished. When God's people fail to use their gifts to build up the body, there's a loss in the health of the church. No one person has all the gifts, and no one person knows all the needs or all the people. So God brings us together as a family. We're to pay careful attention to all the flock. And that takes all of us 
bringing our needs and bringing our gifts to build one another up in love that we might reach maturity in Christ. So elders and deacons are called to care for the flock, for the beloved church of God, which he obtained with the blood of his own son. And they are to do so, and the only way they can do this is when they are empowered by the Holy Spirit, when we follow our Lord's example of love and service. It's the love of Jesus that compels our love for others. It's the love and example of Jesus that is our standard, our example, our pattern as we seek to care for his people. We recently finished our study through the Gospel of John and we remember in John chapter 13 as, as John begins that section of Jesus' life and he says, now Jesus showed his disciples the full extent of his love and he loved them to the end. And how did it start in that upper room as he washed the feet of his disciples. And he did that as an example. He was showing them, as, as, as I'm doing this to you, you are to do this to others. So just as I have loved you, you now are also to love one another. The Apostle Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. He would say near the end of that letter, chapter 16, verse 14, let all that you do be done in love. And so we seek your good. We do all we do in love. Why? Because this is what Jesus has done for us. And this is the secret. uh, The lifeblood, you could say, of sustainable service and ministry in the church for all of us. The secret to this sustainable service and ministry in the church is to realize that we have nothing to give to others that we haven't first received ourselves. We have received this love and care from Jesus himself. 1 John 4.19, our summer verse. We love because he first loved us. And so Jesus loves you, and you love him back. How? One primary way is by loving his people. Love for God always works itself out in love for people. That's how he designed it. Jesus loves you first. You love him back by loving his sheep in his name and in his stead. And so if any ministry, including ordained ministry, if it's anything at all, what is it? It is a ministry of love. Loving people as Jesus loves us, and we know that the love of Christ never runs dry. Let's turn our attention now to Acts chapter 6 as we uh, finish this study And in Acts chapter 6, what do we have? We have this example of his love and care for the church. It's God caring for his people. The whole book of Acts describes the unstoppable gospel on the move. The Holy Spirit is growing the church. And the growth of the church was a great blessing. It also brought challenges. It brought needs. And in Acts chapter 6, we see a twofold problem. A twofold problem. You read it at first and you might think, okay, the problem is widows, their needs weren't being met. And that's true. But that wasn't the only problem. The other problem was this. The elders of the church were being called upon to neglect the preaching of the word of God to meet the needs of the widows. And both of those were problems. It was not right, it wasn't good that the widows' needs were being neglected. And 
It was not right, it wasn't good, or it wouldn't have been right or good for the elders to give up preaching the word of God. So what did they do? They called a congregational meeting. Verse 2 tells us the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples. So they gathered the church together. And, and you can imagine, it must have been tempting. It may have been tempting, we could say, for the elders to simply meet the needs themselves. Because if you are a follower of Jesus, you've received his love, and you, you're loving people in his name, then of course you have compassion on those in need. And you want to meet those needs. Jesus commands it. His compassion calls for it. He's changed your life so you are loving people in his name. But if that's what they had done, if the elders had simply taken care of this problem themselves, it would have distracted them from their main calling. Yes, the needs of the widows would have been met, but the health of the church overall would have been hurt. So instead, what did they do? They brought the church together And they involved the church in the solution. And they equipped the saints for the ministry. You could say that they valued every member ministry. And they called upon the people of the church to use their gifts to build up the body. Now a side note real quick here as we've been having this discussion over the last month or so. This is is one reason why we believe the time is right and needed in the life of our local church for us to hire an associate pastor. Because as our church has grown, the needs have grown. And it's also one of the reasons why we believe that Colin Gingrich is the right man for that job. Because we believe he'll be a great help, that, that he is gifted in equipping and involving others in ministry. That, that gives some insight into why we're pursuing what we believe God is leading us to do here. But now back to Acts chapter 6. So what did they do? They've they've gathered them together. And then verse 3 says, The elders tell the people, Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom. And again, what do you see? There's that focus on godly character. And there's a reminder that this is the plan of God, full of the Holy Spirit. Pick out seven men, full of the spirit, full of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. We're going to make sure the needs of the widows are met. We're going to involve in the church in that care. And this is why many see this as the first deacons being selected, ordained, installed. These seven men then met the practical needs of the widows. And it's a great summary of diaconal ministry. It's a call to compassionate service, to mercy ministry, to meeting the tangible, physical needs, practical needs that you see out there. But what did the elders do? Verse 4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. These are the priorities that God has called elders to, prayer and the ministry of the word, these ordinary means of grace that we have looked at over the last few weeks. Remember prayer. God works through prayer to change and transform lives. Prayer is a great gift for God's people to enjoy communion and fellowship with him. So the elders must devote themselves to prayer. It's also an expression of our need for God. We cannot change a single heart, but our Lord can. Every heart is in his hand. So we devote ourselves to prayer and we devote ourselves to the word Why the word of God? Because the word of God is God's appointed means of saving and sanctifying his people. 
The church is built on the word. And so this is the primary way that the elders care for the church of God. Deacons give themselves to service, meeting those practical needs, compassion for those in times of trouble. Elders devote themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what was the result? Verse 7 of Acts chapter 6. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The result was a faithful and fruitful ministry. The word of God increased. It bore fruit in the people's lives as they became more and more like Jesus Christ. And more people became obedient to the faith. They trusted in Jesus for their salvation. They were added to the church, the beloved people of God. This is how God works all around the world. Through his church to care for people, to meet their needs, to bring the gospel to bear, the word of God to bear upon their lives, and to bring people into the family and help them grow in the family. And beloved, this is our prayer for proclamation. So let me say that summary statement once again. That God indeed will be pleased to give us a faithful and fruitful ministry that we will understand and believe that God has given these men to care for you. And as they are empowered by the Spirit, the elders will devote themselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. The deacons will devote themselves to service. And as they do, your lives will be changed. You will grow to be more and more like Jesus And God in his grace and mercy will add to our number those who are being saved to the honor and the glory of his name. Amen.